exciting journey we're on, isn't it? You know, the bigger our God, the bigger our faith, the greater our freedom. What kind of God have we got faith in? I said something about that in the past. Is up to, the bigger our God, then the bigger our faith, and the greater our freedom. And we were singing about our freedom there this morning, but if we can get a bigger vision of God, we are going to have even greater freedom than we've got now. Because when we see God a bit more as he really is, we will understand truly that nothing for him is impossible. And God wants his people to stand in awe of him. I think it was last year I spoke in the awe of God. I spoke prophetically, shooting forward, because I believe that God's going to bring his awe and the fear of the Lord back to the church. And this week... It's been another interesting meeting. For half an interesting two weeks, it's just one thing in God after another. I'm in a flow at the moment. I'm enjoying it. It's good. On Wednesday morning at the prayer meeting, there was a sense of God's presence uh, towards the end. And the, 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 the meeting kind of ended. And I was on my knees. And I think there was Clifford there. And there was Janet there. And I was just on my knees before God in his presence. And round and round and round, the awe of God, the awe of God, the awe of God, the awe of God. And then I felt God say, ask me for the awe of God. Okay. So I said, Father, I ask you for the awe of God. Bang, the power of God hit me. I was on my face. And the power of God was just surging through my body. Now, I don't pretend to fully understand that, but it's something to do with the awe of God. And I believe God said, now is the time for my church to understand more of the awe of God. Because the bigger our God, the bigger our faith, the greater our freedom. And God wants us to have a big God. And so this morning, I just want to pick some things out about the awe of God. First of all, just two or three verses here, then there'll be other verses a bit later on. But Deuteronomy 10 verse 17 says this, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. Well, that's good. I'm glad we can't bribe God, or I'd be trying to bribe him. Psalm 47, verse 2 says this, For the Lord Most High is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. Or Psalm 68, verse 35 says this, O God, you are more awesome than your holy places. God is more awesome than his holy places. Our God is an awesome God. Awesome. You know, it's another word that's been trivialized, isn't it? You know, people score goals and say, that's an awesome goal. No, it's not. It's a good goal. It's not awesome. I think we should only use the word awesome when we refer to God. Because he truly is awesome. Matthew Henry says this. When we have found God good, has anybody here found God good? We must not forget to pronounce him great. And his kind thoughts towards us must not diminish our high thoughts of him. We should have high thoughts of God. Because he is the high and mighty one. We should always have high thoughts of God. 
And I've been trying to get a, a simple definition of all. And I've played around with lots of words. And I've come to this. My definition of all is this. Reverential fear and respect. And admiration for the infinite and majestic wonder of God. Admiration for the infinite, in other words, never-ending, unmeasurable, majestic wonder of God. God is wonderful. God is a mystery, and there's always more to discover about God. And the more we discover about God, the more we know about God, the bigger our God becomes, the bigger our faith becomes, and the greater we experience His freedom. You know, the other thing about the awe of God is this. The awe of God in us will bring forth humility because of His majesty. Humility in us because of His majesty. Our God is majestic, magnificent, and many, many other words. We could go on and on and still never describe Him. There's a guy called Bobby Connor. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a prophetic guy. But he said that he believes the awe of God is going to come back to the church. We need the awe of God to release the power that God wants to release in his church. See, the awe of God puts him in his proper place and puts us in our proper place. And when God's power flows through us, we will make sure that we give him the glory. That's what the awe of God will cause us to do. It will make sure that we want to give him the glory and not try to take the credit and the glory for ourselves. They reckon every human being, and if you think about it, we must be, every human being is hardwired to walk in the awe of God. He is the creator, we are the created. So God made us to walk daily in awe of him. When we don't walk in awe of him, and this includes unbelievers as well as believers, we can suffer in our lives because we should walk daily in awe of the Creator. And that applies to unbelievers as well as believers. We need to walk daily in the awe of God. And the awe of God should define and give shape to every area of our lives. Give shape to every area of our lives. It's meant to rule over every area of our existence. This thing, he is the creator. He's my loving father, yes, but he's also the sovereign Lord God Almighty. And we've got to be very careful. I'm a great believer in the father's love, but if we just have the father's love without the sovereignty of God, we're going to end up getting a little bit mushy. So we need to understand who our father is. He really is the sovereign Lord God Almighty. And I believe part of the message of the church must be to bring people back to that central focus in their lives that they too would walk in the awe of God. There's something about the awe of God. There's something about having a reverential fear and respect for God and admiring His infinite and wonderful majestic. Well, just everything about God is majestic and wonderful and infinite. And God wants to take us back to that place where we walk in awe of Him. And this morning... I've got some pictures, not pictures, pictures. I want to paint some pictures from the Bible. I'm going to start off in Genesis 1. We're going to show you a clip from Louis Giglio. Who's heard of Louis Giglio? He's absolutely brilliant. 
uh, in sharing about this undescribable God of ours. And the first picture we're going to see is the Louis Giglio one. Take from Genesis 1, 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But in the beginning, God. And all those scientists and all our theorists, they never ever go back to square one. In the beginning, God. You know, this earth didn't come about by chance. There wasn't just this big bang. Where did all the ingredients come from the Big Bang? The Bible says, in the beginning, God. God made the heavens and the earth. Can you put that on, John, please? You're still here. Come out, Louise. Yes.
Isn't that just amazing? That God would love us in the middle of all that. And he knows each one of us by name. He knows every hair upon our head. Isn't that a big God we've got? Doesn't that cause your faith to just begin to shift in your spirit? Another picture to paint for you. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through to 8 says this. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he'd taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Isaiah in the presence of God. Woe is me, I am undone. When was the last time you or I was in the presence of God in such a way that we felt God could see into every part of our being and we just felt as saying, God, woe is me, I am undone. Please cleanse me of all my sins. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Perfect purity, perfect light, moral excellence, absolute perfection. And the only reason that we can encounter absolute perfection is because of the blood of the Lamb that we shed for us. As tiny, tiny little people living in this small thing called planet Earth, God reached down to us in his son Jesus Christ and washed us clean in the blood of Jesus and lifted us up to his level so we're now seated with him in the heavenlies and we too should be crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Who is our Father? Who is our Heavenly Father? Who is this Father that loves us? This is who he is. This is who he is. This should cause our faith to grow, shouldn't it? The more we see how great and mighty and big our God is, the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord in the temple. Another picture. This time taken from Daniel. If you want to turn to Daniel... In chapter 7, I'm going to start reading at verse 9. 
just give you another picture of God here. And I like this. Again, it's the picture of God's throne in heaven. And it says this, I watched all thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, and thousands, thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then it goes on into verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not pass be destroyed. It's not another wonderful picture of heaven. And there's another part in the book of Daniel when it talks about the kingdom being cut out of the hillside. And this kingdom, the kingdom of God, destroys and smashes all other kingdoms. Brothers and sisters, we are part of this unshakable kingdom where Jesus is the king. And this kingdom, the kingdom of God, will smash and destroy all other kingdoms. And this kingdom is within us. Surely that should make us feel big. Big on the inside because our God is big. And it says in Isaiah chapter 9, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, this kingdom is advancing and nothing, absolutely nothing, will stop the advance of the kingdom of God in these days. And this kingdom really will destroy all of the kingdoms. Then that day will come when Jesus returns and finally abolishes all rule and authority and presents this kingdom to the Father. This is the God that we serve and we worship. Are you starting to see something? This should cause our faith to arise. This truly is the awesome God. Another picture for you. This time you want to turn to the book of Revelation. And uh, right at the very beginning of the book, Revelation chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 10. This is talking about the Apostle John. He was in the Isle of Patmos, and he says this, I was in the Spirit in the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voices spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. 
And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. When was the last time you fell at God's feet as if you were dead because of what you'd actually seen? But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the same Jesus who was born of the Virgin Mary, who lived on earth as a man, who went to the cross and was crucified for us and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. This is the one who is the Lamb of God slain for us and who is now the Lion of Judah. This is Jesus Christ the Lord. This is the one who is going to return in the clouds with great power and great glory. This is our Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. What else can we do but stand in awe and worship him? How big's your Jesus? This is the Jesus Christ of the Bible. This is the Jesus Christ that we worship. Is something happening in your heart? Go on to Revelation chapter. Let's go on to chapter 20. This is just an overview, just painting some pictures so you can see it all. We need to see just how this Father that loves us is wonderful, but he's also this great and mighty God. And we need to stand in awe of him and worship him, as well as being so grateful that he is our loving and heavenly Father. Revelation 20, beginning at verse 11. And this is what is yet to happen. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. You know, I read recently some verses about this, and I'd never quite got a hold of this before. On that final day, you know, there's the three heavens. There's the heaven above this earth. There's the heavenlies. Then there's the third heaven where God's throne is. On that final day, the heavens are going to be rolled up like a scroll. In other words, it's going to roll up and we're suddenly going to see God in the third heaven. That's what's going to happen in that final day. And this is a bit of a picture of that here. That people, when they saw God, couldn't look and they were afraid. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat in it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Brothers and sisters, do you know for a fact your name is in the book of life? Do you know for a fact that you are truly saved? 
that Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord? Because if your name is not in the book of life, the second death is for you. You go into the lake of fire. You see, you're going to be alive forever in the lake of fire. You're going to know you're separate from God for eternity, and you're going to be unable to do anything about it. There is a judgment. Whether we like it or not, there is a judgment. And God is just and He is righteous. And God will deal with everyone exactly as they deserve. But there is a judgment. This is still our loving Father. But He's also the judge. And that day will come. Unbelievers will be judged for rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be judged not for salvation, but for what we've done upon planet Earth. Have we obeyed and fulfilled the calling of God upon our lives? Because if we have, there's a great reward in heaven. If we, haven't, if we are saved and we haven't obeyed God's calling upon our life, we'll still get into heaven as by our fingernails, but there's no reward. And I want to be able to look the Lord Jesus Christ in the eye in that final day, and I want him to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master, don't you? See, this is all part of our God. You might not like to think that your heavenly Father is the judge, but I'm sorry, it's in the Bible. But if you're saved and your name's in the Lamb Book of Life, you're okay. But that should be motivation for us to get other people, to get them saved, so their name too goes in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because we don't want any to go to hell, fire, and damnation, do we? So there's a judgment, but it's not over. Another reference from Revelation 21, verse 1 through to about verse 6. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There is a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. And we're still going to have things to discover about the infinite majesty of God. New truths to discover every day about his, his wonder, his magnificence, all these things about him. 
But there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like I told you before, I believe I'm going to be a 33-year-old vegetarian. In the Garden of Eden, they didn't eat meat, so that should bring a smile to the vegetarians amongst us. So, when we see God as he really is, surely that should cause an awe to arise in our hearts. Surely that should cause faith to rise up in our hearts. That should help us to realize that absolutely nothing for our God is impossible. Nothing. 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 I believe that we're on the edge of God doing something serious amongst us that will get people's attention. I believe that we are going to see, I believe we're in a measure of revival. I believe this, that we are going to see wild, holy, loving revival fire. That's what we're going to see. Yes, Lord! Wild, holy, loving, revival, fire. I'm going to say that again. We are going to see wild, holy, loving, revival, fire. The question is this, do you want it? Do you want it? Okay, let me ask you another, condi- another question. Will you meet God's conditions? A bit quieter now. Are you prepared to meet God's conditions? Okay. Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival, he had four conditions that he taught people. He said, if you want revival, you need to meet these four conditions. Here they are. Number one, is there any sin in your life or my life that has not been confessed to God? Any sin in your life or my life that has not been confessed to God? When you go home from here today, please take these with you and ask the Holy Spirit to set your heart. Any sin in your life or my life that has not been confessed to God? Because we need to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus afresh. The second one is this. Is there anything in your life or my life that is doubtful and doesn't honor God? Is there anything in your life or my life that is doubtful and doesn't honor God? Have we forgiven everyone? Or are we still holding on to unforgiveness because we're trying to poison someone? And what's actually happening? We're just poisoning ourselves. Have we forgiven everyone? Is there anyone you haven't forgiven? The third one is this. Build a relationship with and honor and obey the Holy Spirit. Since last Sunday, since people were prayed for and the Holy Spirit came like a dove, how many have started to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit? How many have started to talk to him and get to know him? We still need to do that. 
build a relationship with an honor and obey the Holy Spirit to make sure we don't resist him, grieve him, or quench him. And the fourth one is this, to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and be a loving and good witness wherever you are. They're not hard conditions, are they? Not really. It caused something to happen in Wales. And God just wants to make sure he's got our hearts. Because revival is something very, very personal for you and for me. As well as something corporate that can happen amongst us. And break out so it flows into our town or city. 